The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. The industrial manslaughter laws, they were brought in by the state government here in Victoria and I believe that is now affecting this eastern freeway situation. So the company behind the truck driver is now up for uh, industrial manslaughter laws in uh, the Melbourne Magistrates Court. To discuss this, we've got Katrina McLeod on the line, who is a lawyer. Katrina, thanks for being on the program. Hi, Mitchell. My pleasure. So these industrial manslaughter laws, they were they brought in first in Victoria and now other states are considering them, like WA? Uh, they... The ACT in Queensland have had them for a few years and New South Wales is currently bringing them in, as I understand. And yes, WA is they're coming in at the end of this year. So they're basically um, slowly but surely being spread all across Australia. So explain the situation with the Eastern Freeway. So the actual company behind that driver um, can be reviewed and charged with industrial manslaughter because of unsafe work practices which may have contributed to what took place. Is that the gist of what's going on here? Yep, that's spot on, Mitchell. It's a, um, a super sad case where the driver was jailed for 22 years. So he basically um, was an employee of a company who were who the supervisor is being basically put on trial as to whether he's going to be responsible for what the employee did. So this is why it's striking fear um, to a certain extent throughout companies and businesses across Australia. And Victoria was obviously facing the Eastern Freeway case version. And the, the issue is that um, Mr Singh was the driver and he's been jailed for 22 years after killing four police officers in the crash, which your your listeners may be aware of. He was driving a prime mover at 100 kilometres per hour last April, and he crashed into the four police officers. Um, the issue being that he was found to be high and severely sleep-deprived at the time. And the court heard that he had been... Um, he'd injected... He was a heavy drug user, and he'd injected meth the day before the crash happened. And the court has heard that when he used meth, it would make him prone to psychotic episodes and he would have hallucinations of witches and aliens. And um, the the issue with the employer is whether the employer knew that. So Mr. Tuteri is the person that's standing trial. And the court is going to have to look at whether he knew that Mr. Singh was tired and the state he was in And crucial to that is the fact that Mr Singh has already given evidence that he told his supervisor he had been cursed by a witch. He hadn't slept since he went home. And Mr Singh's evidence is that he put his hand, that um, his supervisor put his hand on his head and prayed in Jesus' name to curse the spell out of him. And then his supervisor told him he was fit to drive. Mm. Um, So obviously this is one person's evidence. But the legislation looks at, okay, well, did that person, did the supervisor, should he, did he do what a reasonable person would have done? Should he have known that Mr. Singh was not fit to drive? Um, and or did he know? So it's not whether he, it can be whether he knew and or whether he should have known. So, um, and then should he have done something about it to stop the potential injury? Because as you can imagine, he's a truck driver. It's, if he really thought he was tired and not fit to drive, 
then there's a severely high risk he could cause um, serious injury or death, which is mm. what the legislation looks at. So in terms of the person standing trial that you mentioned, is it only the direct supervisor that's responsible under this legislation or are the full company directors also responsible? How far does it go? So it can spread um, very widely. So in this case, it's it's the direct supervisor. Um, But in other cases around Australia, it has been um, the person who was directly supervising the individual right through to directors of the company. So I'm not sure in this case why it is only the supervisor that has been charged. Um, I haven't had a great deal of time to look at the details of the case. However, directors of the company, office holders of the company can all be held liable. Um, There was a case um, in, I think it was in Queensland recently, where there was an incident at a workplace and um, I think it was a a building site and um, the person, the contractor was, is facing trial and the company that brought the contractor company onto site are also facing trial over the actions of an individual that the contractor employed. So it can it can go one level, two levels. Um, the legislation generally looks at was that person responsible? Was it was it likely that they should have known that this was a dangerous situation and should they have done something about it? So that's where it's kind of widening the responsibility beyond what what was normal before these legislative changes came in. And what are the penalties available under that legislation? Say, for example, a, a company director, even if they hadn't spoken to Mr. Singh before, hypoth- this is all hypothetical, but if they hadn't spoken to sure. the person, um, so basically they're outsourcing that part of their job to the supervisor that does speak to that person on a daily basis. But what sort of penalty could that company director be liable for? So the pretty harsh, Mitchell, um 25 years for an individual in Victoria and 16.5 million for a company. So the the companies have a huge, obviously, monetary fine, but they can actually go to prison. So that's that's um, that's a new a new harsher penalties that were introduced. And in WA, for example, where I'm from, that goes even further. So we have um, the individuals themselves can face a five million dollar fine and twenty years in prison, and companies can pay can face ten million. But Victoria has got some real, as you can see, twenty five years and sixteen point five million. So, so that's pretty harsh. You can see that the government is trying to raise the level of um, occupational health and safety Australia wide. Mm. Um. That is, it's huge. It's really hard to come to terms with. I'd imagine there'd be quite a few nervous company directors. I don't know if people come into your practice, but saying, you know, I could be liable for this and how do I try and reduce my liability? Absolutely. So um, because it's kind of widened that net of responsibility, it does mean it's catching more people that would not have been caught before. So it's definitely um, a thing that I'm seeing everywhere from really small businesses to large national corporates are really taking steps to think, what can we do if we are going to be liable? Um, I recently did a a bit of a travelling roadshow around regional WA because, as you can imagine, we have a a huge amount of farms and um, those kind of workplaces out in the regions, and there is huge uncertainty and fear in and around 
what this means and what they can actually do to protect themselves. And what I say to people is, don't be, don't be terrified. Just take some simple actions and simple steps, which you can then show that you did what was reasonable. Because the courts have to find that the person that, that was responsible failed. So there was a failure somewhere. So they basically didn't do what they should have done. Um, and one way to deal with all of this is to raise the OH occupational health and safety steps and processes within your businesses. So if you can show that you thought about the risks, you took steps to protect them, you trained your staff. So what we're saying to people is start looking at the risks, working out what they are in your particular workplace, then put in place training and policies to prevent that. And then if the horrific thing happens and someone does die on your workplace, if you can show that you did what was reasonable and took steps to prevent it and train your staff, that is going to be a huge factor in whether a court holds you liable or not. And I don't know if you have an opinion on this that you'd like to express, but do you think these laws are an effective deterrent? Are they making real changes there for workplaces and making them safer, or do they perhaps go too far? Well, that's a really interesting one, Mitchell. I know there was a lot of lobbying by various groups against the severe nature of this legislation across Australia. But what I've seen colloquially is that it is definitely made workplaces that haven't really thought about this before look at their occupational health and safety and look at what are the dangers in the workplace. So I've definitely seen from going and speaking to business owners and what the questions people are asking me, that they are definitely making changes. Um, the issue, I guess, is whether the requirements are going to be so high that they're difficult for small businesses to reach. But um, in, in WA, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what it is exactly, if there's a reasonable... We have a, um, a reasonable test in West Australia, so um, I'm in... I was going to have a quick look at whether Victoria currently has a reasonable test, as in you did what was reasonable to take to protect against it. Um, I imagine that there probably is, because um, that's that's usually how the legislation works. Well, thanks for being on the program. Uh, that is a serious issue, but you know the laws are still relatively new. In this case, yes, I suppose yes. that you're talking about the Eastern Affair. That's almost a, a test case, isn't it? Because the law is so new. That's exactly right, Mitchell, and that's why. Even people like me, right over the other side of the country, are watching it carefully to see what the court decides because it's very similar legislation throughout Australia. So what the court decides in your case is going to have ramifications across Australia. Well, thanks for being on the programme and we'll see how this goes, this case. My pleasure. Thanks, Mitchell. Katrina McLeod with us there, who is a lawyer. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.